What is up, everybody? Thank you for joining the Sportlight Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about whether or not young people should specialize in sports or whether they should play a variety of sports. Welcome to the Sportlight Podcast for parents, coaches, and athletes. The Sportlight refers to the time in an athlete's life when they have increased ability to affect the culture around them and the increased opportunity to learn life's lessons through sports. This podcast aims to help parents and coaches capitalize on their athletes' precious time in the Sportlight. The Sportlight Podcast is brought to you by Especially for Athletes program. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Sportlight Podcast. So today we're going to tackle the topic of specializing in sports too young. And there's just a couple of warnings for parents to consider as they feel like maybe they're getting pressure from places to have their kids specialize in a certain sport at such a young age. And so there's some things to consider as we help our children make that decision. And before we encourage them or let someone else encourage them to quit everything else and specialize in a single sport, there's a couple of things. First of all, it limits their exposure to sports that they may actually have a a better future in. We'll talk about that first. And second, it may lead to more propensity for injury. And so last year in the 2022 playoffs, the final eight quarterbacks, there was this article written uh, in USA Today, a high school sports edition, about how all starting quarterbacks in the NFL divisional round were multi-sport high school athletes. And so here's just a summary of that, by the way. Matthew Staff, uh, he played at Highland Park High School in Dallas. He played football and baseball. A quote from him, I probably would have thought I was going to play baseball, and then football just kind of happened to be something I was a little better at. And so that was was his quote, kind of an interesting little note about him. He was a high school teammate, baseball teammate of Clayton Kershaw, and Clayton Kershaw said that guy could throw a fastball. So Tom Brady, it says, likewise, Tom Brady, Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback, was a catcher in high school, and he was named to the all-league team and drafted by the Montreal Expos in the 18th round of the 1995 Major League Baseball draft. And he also played basketball while in high school. Josh Allen, Buffalo Bills quarterback, grew up competing a variety of sports, including golf, gymnastics, and karate. (laughs) So that's kind of unique. Patrick Mahomes. It's been a storyline for a couple of years now that Kansas City Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes was drafted in the 37th round of the 2014 Major League Baseball draft by the Detroit Tigers, but he was also a very good basketball player. Has a video link there of him dunking on somebody. Jimmy Garoppolo says San Francisco 49ers quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo played basketball. The Eastern Illinois University recruiter, then offensive coordinator Roy Whitkey, described him to the athletic as a blue-collar guy on the basketball court who played defense and rebounded. He pitched also in high school as well. Aaron Rodgers, the Milwaukee Bucks ownership group, includes... Green Bay Packers QB Aaron Rodgers, who played basketball and baseball in high school. He also told the Philadelphia Inquirer that doing so helped him with a variety of skills, such as different throwing angles from baseball and footwork form from basketball. Joe Burrow. As a high schooler, Joe Burrow told the Columbus Dispatch that he initially thought 
He was a basketball player. Until he broke out as a sophomore on the gridiron, he played basketball throughout his high school career, averaging almost 20 points per game. Ryan Tannehill. It was astounding that teenage Ryan Tannehill had time for anything else with all the sports he played. According to his Tennessee Titans bio, he lettered in baseball, basketball, golf, and track and field. In addition to playing four positions on the football field, he had 1,500 receiving yards as a junior. On the track, he finished third in the 300-meter hurdles and second in the triple jump in the 2006 district four 4A championships according to the American Football Database. So when you see all of these, and here's some of the things that they mentioned. I thought I was going to be a basketball player, one of them said. Or, or I played baseball and basketball. Basketball helped me with footwork. Baseball helped me with, with arm angles. It begins to suggest some things that maybe we're taking away from our athletes if we begin to, to have them specialize too soon in their sport. And so all of these were incredible athletes and did a lot of different things. Now, one of the things that, that comes to mind about specializing, you'll, you'll notice one of them said, I thought I was going to actually go on and play basketball until I realized that I was better at football. So here's, here's the question. That was, I believe that that was Joe, Joe Burrow who said that. So if you think about specializing too soon, what if Joe Burrow... Now he ends up, I don't know how tall Joe Burrow is, probably should have done that homework, but 6'5", 6'6", or whatever. You know, 6'5", 6'6", there's a lot of guys like that in the NBA, but they're pretty remarkably athletic if they're that height and playing at a high level in the NBA. And what if Joe Burrow would have said, okay, I'm a tall kid, basketball's my thing, and, and never would have broke out that sophomore year and realized all of the talents and abilities that he had as a football player. So one aspect of specializing too soon in a sport is maybe it reduces exposure to other sports where we may have blossomed and where our genetics and our talents and everything like that might lean more toward another sport, but we, we quit it too soon to really realize that. So I've mentioned a couple of times on this podcast that I I'm reading Atomic Habits. I've finished it now, but there's a story in here that might apply to what we're talking about. James Clear, the author, former college baseball player, shared this in the book. Many people are familiar with Michael Phelps, who is widely considered to be one of the greatest athletes in history. Phelps has won more Olympic medals not only than any swimmer, but also more than any Olympian in any sport. Fewer people know the name of Hickam El Garouge, but he was a fantastic athlete in his own right. El Garouge is a Moroccan runner who holds two Olympic gold medals and is one of the greatest middle distance runners of all time. For many years, he held the world record in the mile, 1,500-meter, and 2,000-meter races. At the Olympic Games in Athens, Greece in 2004, he won gold in the 1,500-meter and 5,000-meter races. These two athletes are wildly different in many ways. For starters, one competed on land and the other in water. But most notably, they differ significantly in height. El Garouge is 5 feet 9 inches tall. Phelps is 6 feet 4 inches tall. Despite the 7-inch difference in height, the two men are identical in one respect. Michael Phelps and Hickam El Garouge wear the same length inseam in their pants. 
How is this possible? Phelps has relatively short legs for his height, a very long torso, the perfect build for swimming. El Garouge has incredibly long legs and a short upper body, an ideal frame for distance running. Now imagine if these world-class athletes were to switch sports. Given his remarkable athleticism, could Michael Phelps become an Olympic caliber distance runner with enough training? It's unlikely. At peak fitness, Phelps weighed 194 pounds, which is 40% heavier than El Garouge, who competed at an ultra-light 138 pounds. Taller runners are heavier runners, and every extra pound is a curse when it comes to distance running. Against elite competition, Phelps would be doomed from the start. Similarly, El Garouge might be one of the best runners in history, but it's doubtful he would ever qualify for Olympics as a swimmer. Since 1976, the average height of an Olympic gold medalist in the men's 1500 meter run is 5 feet 10 inches. In comparison, the average height of Olympic gold medalists in the men's 100 meter freestyle swim is 6 feet 4 inches. Swimmers tend to be tall and have long backs and arms, which are ideal for pulling through the water. El Garouge would be at a severe disadvantage before he ever touched the pool. The secret to maximizing your odds of success is to choose the right field of competition. Now he goes on and asks the question, well, how do you choose the right field of competition? You may already be thinking, okay, I could see the connection now between specializing too early in sports. Like, how would Michael Phelps know that he was going to be really tall with a long torso and long arms and short legs? Maybe you could look at his dad and mom, but sometimes that doesn't tell you everything. How would El Garouge know that he was going to be 5 foot 10 and have long legs and a short torso? So if El Garouge would have picked up swimming, it sounds like he's a very gifted athlete as far as endurance goes. He would have been probably a great high school swimmer, but maybe he would have missed his calling in life as a distance runner and the same with Michael Phelps. So he goes on and says this. This is James Clear and Atomic Habits. Learning to play a game where the odds are in your favor is critical for maintaining motivation and feeling successful. In theory, you can enjoy almost anything. In practice, you are more likely to enjoy the things that come easily to you. People who are talented in a particular area tend to be more competent at that task and are then praised for doing a good job. They stay energized because they are making progress where others have failed. And because they get rewarded with better pay and bigger opportunities, which not only makes them happier but also propels them to produce even higher quality work. Pick the right habit and progress is easy. Pick the wrong habit and life is a struggle. Now he goes on and he gives a little bit of advice and just think of these in regard to specializing in sports too early. As you explore different options, there are a series of questions you can ask yourself to continually narrow in on the habits and areas that will be most satisfying to you. Imagine a young person now that's high school or younger playing a variety of different sports and, and asking themselves these questions. What feels fun to me, but work to others? 
The mark of whether you are made for a task is not whether you love it, but whether you can handle the pain of the task easier than most people. When you are enjoying yourself while other people are complaining, the work that hurts you less than it hurts others is the work that you were made to do. That is a really awesome statement. We had Justin Sua, and Justin Sua said that this really successful athletes, he's the mental performance coach for the Tampa Bay Rays and many other professional organizations. And one of the things he pointed out is that those who can embrace the boredom of consistency are those who are going to be great. Well, when things feel like work to other people that feel fun to you or to your child, then those things are going to be a lot more uh, appealing. They're going to be a lot like working and doing the boring work that needs to be done is going to be a lot more likely if you love it and other people hate doing that boring stuff. I still remember anything baseball, anything basketball. I loved going out on my driveway and just shooting and shooting and shooting and shooting. That might have been super boring for some people, but for me, that particular thing was fun. And so if they play a variety of different sports, what is the thing that they love doing, that they gravitate to, and they just would spend every second of every day doing it? And so by playing a variety of different sports, maybe one will emerge that is just more fun, that they love doing more than others. And so when they, what feels like fun to me but work to others, when you find that thing, you'll be a lot more likely to be successful because you'll work through the boring. When other people find it boring, you'll still find it fun. The second thing he says is, what makes me lose track of time? Flow is the mental state you enter when you are so focused on the task at hand that the rest of the world fades away. This blend of happiness and peak performance is what athletes and performers experience when they are, quote, in the zone. It is nearly impossible to experience a flow state and not find the task satisfying, at least to some degree. That's a great question. What could you do forever? What makes you lose track of time? Third, where do I get greater returns than the average person? We are continually comparing ourselves to those around us, and a behavior is more likely to be satisfying when the comparison is in our favor. So where does it just seem to be natural to us. I put a little time here and it just seems like I get more out of it than the average person. That might be a place or a sport where you'll find that you'll be more successful. Last, he says, what comes naturally to me? For just a moment, ignore what you've been taught. Ignore what society has told you. Ignore what others expect of you. Look inside yourself and ask, what feels natural to me? When have I felt alive? When have I felt like the real me? No internal judgments or people-pleasing. No second-guessing or self-criticism. Just feelings of engagement and enjoyment. Whenever you feel authentic and genuine, you are headed in the right direction. When I read that paragraph, I think about how important it is to not place our expectation, our dreams upon our children you know, to make them, oh man, I always wanted to play college baseball. I always wanted to do uh, this or that. And, and then they're living our dream instead of what comes naturally to them. And so that's, that's a really good question. He, he concludes by saying, to be honest, 
Some of this process is just luck. Michael Phelps and Hikamel Garouge were lucky to be born with a rare set of abilities that were highly valued by society and to be placed in the ideal environment for those abilities. We all have limited time on this planet and the truly great among us are the ones who not only work hard but also have the good fortune to be exposed to opportunities that favor us. And I would just ask in, in response to that, what are, how can we find and help our children find the good fortune to have opportunities that favor us? Well, one of those ways might be to play multiple sports. All of these eight quarterbacks that were in the divisional playoffs last year, they all played multiple sports. Why did they end up in football? Well, they played these multiple sports. They didn't specialize and they realized that they had a lot of talents in football and eventually those talents begin to blossom into the greatness that is required of one who's going to be a quarterback an nfl quarterback and so so it's really interesting to see how that uh that worked out for them and as we encourage our kids to play a variety of different sports it will expose them to maybe a sport that they would not have initially thought of, but where their gifts and talents actually are more suited for those, those things. The other thing that article suggested is that burnout is a real issue. Some kids maybe have real talent to be a football, basketball, volleyball, tennis, or whatever it might be player, but when they dedicate so many hours to one particular thing, burnout and boredom could become so much a part of that that they quit something that they would have otherwise continued and really blossomed at. And when they started to see the success, as, as this Atomic Habit suggests, they would start to really, really love it, but they become burned out at it too soon. And so that, that's another aspect here in all these studies that were looked at. Another thing to consider is the effects of specializing in a sport on a kid's body. So in the, the Journal of, of Sports Medicine, there were a few articles in regard to this. One entitled, The Effects of Playing Multiple High School Sports on the National Basketball Association Players' Propensity for Injury and Athletic Performance. So that was a mouthful there, but here's the conclusion of that, that scientific article. While a minority of professional basketball athletes participated in multiple sports in high school, those who were multi-sport athletes participated in more games, experienced fewer major injuries, and had longer careers than those who participated in a single sport. So here was the conclusion. It said that those NBA players who were multi-sport athletes participated in more games, experienced fewer major injuries, and had longer careers than those who participated in a single sport in high school. So there's another article in the same journal that said it's entitled Prevalence of Sports Specialization in High School Athletics. And it concluded this, highly specialized athletes were more likely to report a history of overuse knee or hip injuries. Participating in a single sport for more than eight months per year appeared to be an important factor in the increased injury risk observed in highly specialized athletes. 
So another thing to consider as you consider whether or not to allow your kid to to specialize in a single sport or if you're a high school coach whether or not to demand that your kid hey if you're going to play this sport you're going to you know you're going to be here all the time you're going to do year round you're going to do these these different things that has a propensity to lead to more injury as well and so just super interesting interesting topic that is a pleasure to study so so just those those basic takeaways number one is specializing too soon might keep a young person from finding their true love where their true gifts would lead them to way greater success it might lead to burnout and it might lead to injury so some things to consider before specializing in a single sport thank you so much for joining the Sportlight podcast Hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, we encourage you to share it with others and let people know about our podcast. We also have the Sportlight book. You can go to e4a.org. That's e4a.org. And pick up a book there. Or go there to get in contact with us and let us know some other topics that you'd love to talk about. Thank you so much. Eyes up. Do the work. This has been the Sportlight podcast from Especially for Athletes. Sponsored by Coca-Cola. You can learn more about Especially for Athletes by visiting the website at especiallyforathletes.org. You can also learn more about the book, The Sportlight, by Shad Martin and Dustin Smith at especiallyforathletes.org book.